Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. God is doing a lot at the moment amongst us, is that right? And we've heard a lot of things over the last few weeks in terms of prophetically what God is saying. And God is moving us into not just a new season, but a new time as a church. And that is in relation also to what he's doing in the nation what he's saying to the church in the nation. God's not going to say one thing to us and something completely different to other churches elsewhere. God wants to move the church, his church in this nation together to see his kingdom purposes outworked on earth in the way that he wants them outworked. I think everybody in the room and most of us, especially if you've been around the last uh, first six weeks of this year, I think we'd all agree that there's something new in the air. There's a sense of, of God is doing something new uh, and there's a fresh release of the Holy Spirit going on, but it's just the beginnings. And, and we've used that term rain, uh, the first kind of drops of rain in relation to the story in, uh, uh, with Elijah when he went up the mountain and prayed, cloud was as small as a man's hand, seventh time he prayed and uh, he got up, the rain started to come. And it ended up being a deluge and everything. And, and we're just at the beginnings of the rain falling in a fresh way. Now, a lot of that is discerned spiritually, first of all, in terms of what God is saying and doing. God always speaks before he acts. He always lets us know what he wants to do before he does it. Uh, because the, the Christian life is by faith, not by sight. And therefore, it's something we believe in terms of whatever God says into our lives and we take a hold of and then we see the reality of it being outworked as we move forward in terms of what God's saying, whether personally or as a church together. Now, um, the, this morning's message is, is, this is called The Clock is Ticking. Okay, The Clock is Ticking. And if you want a, a thing in brackets after it, you can just say, Spirit, come. Okay, the clock is ticking. Spirit, come. And there's some things that I, I believe is really on my heart to share this morning. Um, but what I want to do, I want to ask somebody else first of all, just to come and um, just share for a few minutes something that's been uh, something that happened to them uh, probably a couple of weeks ago now. I think. Um, so. This per- Michelle um, Elliott is going to come up and just share in a minute. Now, over the last 18 months, two years, God's been developing uh, a really a prophetic gifting in her life. And I know there's a number of others of you in the congregation here and actually in the church where God has been doing similar things in terms of the, the nature of what God has been saying. Now, quite often people have prophetic words and, and they write them down and submit them to, to the leadership here. And some of them are things that we just pray into. They're not necessarily things to communicate to everybody. They're things that we we pray into and and act upon in different ways. But there are other things that are important to communicate uh, and to everybody. Now, what Michelle's going to share is is not a prophetic word, as in she just received a word in a time of prayer. And and it's more than just a dream or a vision, what she's going to share, okay? It's more of a... I don't even know how to really describe it, but I mean, you'll obviously describe what happened to you. Um, but we believed it was right that, that she shared this. There's two things she's going to share. 
Uh, and there's some things from that that in the context of what God's been doing and saying that would be really important to, to communicate after that. So I want you to give, uh, Michelle's a little bit nervous, okay? So it's not easy. How many of you would like to come up here and share something? All right, not many. Some, some might go, yeah, pick me, get me up there. I've got things to say. Well, um, if, I'd rather pick people who haven't got things to say. And um, so uh, Michelle's definitely one of those. That's, when I said to the other night, I, I, we, she was around our house with some others and uh, I said, look, it'd be great if you shared Sunday. And she looked with like, oh, can't you just share it? And it's like, no, it needs to come from you. So let's give Michelle a massive encouragement as she comes up. So I'm a bit overwhelmed because I'm quite aware of the responsibility of what I'm going to say. So just bear with me. I'll try not to crack. Um, yeah, about two weeks ago, I had uh, an experience, I suppose I could say. Um, it was early in the morning and I was at home in bed. And I was sort of awake and asleep and awake and asleep. And then suddenly, I can just describe it as God just took me somewhere else. And um, I knew where I was and I knew what I had to do and I knew when I was, if that makes sense. And um, I was in Israel, and it was the time of Jesus. Uh, I was dressed the same as all the other women around me. I was in a, a very large crowd of people, um, the men at the front and the women and the children at the back. And I remember thinking, I'm really pleased that I look like the women around me, that I don't look like a visitor from a different time or whatever. And it just seemed very logical at the time that, okay, so I just went with it. And um, <clears throat> it was very apparent that there was an air of excitement and anticipation in the huge crowds that I was in. Um, and everyone was talking about, we're going to see Jesus. We're going to see this Jesus that we've heard so much about. Sorry. <laughs> and it was such a tangible sense that we were going to find this Jesus that everyone had heard so much about. And so I just started walking with the women. Um, and I was very calm. I just, I just knew why I was there. And we started walking through what I think was a city. There was cobbled streets and large, tall, cobbled um, walls and buildings. And from the corner of my eye in the, uh, in the le on my left, as we walked under a sort of archway, I saw um, a very, very crippled person in the gutter area and this person was so deformed and so crippled they weren't recognizable as a human being they were uh, in a fetal position there was no flesh on their bones they were very emaciated it was very, very skeletal i couldn't tell whether they were male or female or young or old but i just knew i have to go and pick this person up and carry them so I went over and picked whoever it was up and they were so light like a small child and I just carried them in my arms as we carried on walking and um, I was aware that all the women around me had their heads covered and I suddenly became aware that mine wasn't. <laughs> so I asked the lady behind me, would you cover my head? Now I don't know if I spoke in Hebrew or English, I don't know how that worked but God just did it. And I remember people looking at me a little bit strangely, like, why, why have you picked this grotesque person up? Why have you picked this person up? Looking at me a little bit strange. So we just carried on our journey, and um, we came through the other side of the archway, and there was a, 
a street that sort of doubled back on itself and everyone gathered there and just stood in silence waiting. And there was a big archway in the wall and Jesus walked through the archway. Um, I couldn't see his face and I couldn't tell you what he looked like, but I knew it was Jesus. It was a figure of a man. And everyone just fell into hush. And um, in that moment, I knew what I had to do. And I just took this person that I'd been carrying and I put them at his feet on the very low wall. And, he, and then I stepped back to the rest of the crowd and he went over to the person and bent down to them and whispered something in their ear. And with that, the person kind of tumbled over the other side of the wall and everyone sort of gasped what's going on because we couldn't see what was going on. And in front of our eyes, we saw this person start to stretch out and flesh appeared on this person's bones and on their body and they started to uncurl their body. And I can't tell you what it was like to see that. It was incredible and this person who was not recognizable as human to stand up in front of me and in front of everyone else. And it was a very old, beautiful Jewish lady, gray hair, and she couldn't believe what was going on. She was touching her arms, she was looking at her body, she was telling everyone, I was blind, I couldn't see. And the crowd just went absolutely nuts. It was so loud, the hollering, the shouting, the screaming, everyone was trying to get hold of her and touch her and see if what, what they saw was actually real. And everyone just fell into praise of Jesus and was just thanking Jesus, thanking him for what he'd done. And in that moment, I had a, a voice just say to me, this is what it's going to be like when revival comes to church. And with that, I woke up. I was back in my bed. It was early in the morning. And I got up and started praying and saying, what just happened? What, what was that, Lord? What happened? I just knew it was something different than I'd ever experienced before. So I just started praying. And, you know, your day just goes on. So I got the children ready for school. And uh, I walked them to school and dropped them off at school. And every morning, once I've dropped them at school, I go for a walk through the woods. I go the same route through the woods. It's a quite a, a big pathway through. So it's I see lots of people the same dog walkers and runners and whatever and I choose to go that way because it's safe I know I'm going to see lots of people well this day there was nobody there not a single person I didn't see another person on that walk and I put my earphones in I was listening to Pastor Colin preach and I just carried on my walk and I got halfway through and I heard what sounded like a really loud trumpet blast which lasted about four or five seconds I didn't think much about it at first, other than where does that come from? Because I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's no buildings, there's no people, there was nothing around me that could have made the noise. So I carried on walking, and four or five seconds later, I heard it again. Pulled my earphones out. What is going on? What is this about? Just stood still, and there was a, a pause. And then there was a third trumpet blast. And the only way I can describe it is that it came from really high up, and it just permeated the whole atmosphere. It was a very strange sound, and I knew at that point, this isn't an earthly sound that I'm hearing. This is a heavenly sound. And with a, some trepidation, I, start, I carried on walking. I didn't hear anything else, and I just started to inquire of the Lord. I said, Lord, what's going on? What is that? What did I just hear? 
please tell me what is going on. And he just so clearly said to me, that is my herald announcing my arrival. And that was that. Thanks, mate. All right. God, uh, God's getting our attention. It's, uh, it's easy to live with one day, sometime in the future. Jesus is going to come back or something's going to happen or, and it's all down the road somewhere. And God is, over the last few weeks, wanting to get our attention. Now is the time. And, and when you start getting prophetic things like that and, and literally God takes you somewhere and brings you back, uh, that's because he is doing something in a completely new way. And one of the words he's given us is unprecedented which is we've never experienced it before, never known it before. There's no reference point for, for what God is beginning to do and we're going to see happen in the next few weeks, months and years, not just here, but in the nation. In terms of what is in the middle of what looks impossible, God loves to do the impossible. Now, in that, in that um, the first experience, we can put it that way, that Michelle had, when uh, she shared with Jane and I a couple of weeks ago, while she was sharing it, I was just saying to the Holy Spirit, okay, what, are you, what does all this mean? And, uh, and in that crowd, I believe there's two, two well, there's, I'll just share what I believe God wants us to understand from it. Firstly, in that crowd, she was obviously in amongst a whole bunch of Jewish people back in Israel 2,000 years ago that were going to see Jesus and, and whatever he was going to do uh, in that moment. And, but there, there were, there were, there's something that I believe God was saying in that, that why was she the only person that noticed or saw this completely um, crippled, unrecognisable shape or figure uh, in this tunnel, in this, uh, she was walking through. Why didn't anybody else notice? Why was she the only one that picked up this person and ultimately took them to Jesus? And when we were talk, talking and just praying together after the, she shared it with us, um, one of the things I believe God was saying is the crowd is a little bit like the church. And the church is completely consumed with wanting to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus, we want to see Jesus, which is fine, brilliant, because we want to be consumed with Jesus, right? Um, but what the, the figure that then came into being when Jesus bent down and breathed uh, and spoke, whispered into this, this figure as it was before it was totally healed, um, obviously the figure was a Jewish lady and for most of the church in, in this nation, there is no acknowledgement whatsoever of the Jewish people or understanding God's purposes for Israel and how central they are to his plans and purposes for the nations. And so most of the church is just getting on, doing whatever they're doing, saying, we want to know Jesus, we want to see Jesus, we want to experience Jesus, we want to see what he's going to do next. And most of the church is just walking past the people that Jesus first came for. 
The Bible says that the gospel is for the Jew first, then the Gentile. That Jesus came as a Jew for the Jewish people. The Old Testament in the covenant to Abraham that God made said that from you, I'm going to form a people. And through that people that I'm going to reveal myself to, I'm going to then reveal myself through you to the nations. And that's still the same because God's covenants don't finish. They continue on in terms of how he's going to fulfill them. And so it was like Michelle represented a very, very small minority of Christians at that point who picked up what she maybe even didn't recognise either at the beginning of the dream was, was, and part of the responsibility that we have is to pray for the Jewish people and actually pray for them, pick them up, build relationship and lead them and take them to Jesus. And obviously, you know, analogies, you know, and, and things like that can speak and say certain things. For many Jewish people, they don't know Jesus. They don't know him as their Messiah. And for anybody that doesn't know Jesus, for anybody that has not yet given their lives to him, the effect of sin on somebody's life cripples you. We all have an outward shell. Every person, whether, whether they know Jesus or not, on the outward, we, we all look, we've got skin, we wear clothes, we've got hair, we've got different facial features. We've all got an outward shell. But if we could see on the inside, spiritually, of what is going on in people in the same way that God does, what you would see inside your life, if you know Jesus, if I, what, what God sees on the inside of you is Christ in you. He sees the light of who he is on the inside of you. He sees somebody that is forgiven, that is healed, that is restored. He sees somebody that is in relationship with him. You, you have a completely new identity. You're a new creation, a new person. So you don't just have a shell on the, uh, the outside. You have the life of who God is on the inside. You've been healed, restored, whatever. Somebody that doesn't know Jesus on the inside of their life, it looks like, this person that was picked up in that alleyway. On the inside of somebody's life, when they don't know Jesus, your life on the inside looks crippled. It looks deformed. It looks out of shape. Things are not in place. Why? Because you, that anybody that doesn't know Jesus is not in relationship with the Creator, with their Creator. They're not in relationship with God who has purposed us to know Him. So what happens when in this situation, she picked up this, as we know now, a lady took her to Jesus. He, he spoke and whispered into her life and, and she came into full, as a full person, completely healed and everything. And that's what God wants to do with the Jewish people. Why, why was she old? Because the Jewish people are God's ancient people that he chose a, a long time ago and uh, for his purposes. And, and so there's a number of things in this, in this vision. One is the crowd represent, could represent the church. There was only one person out of many that recognised, I need to pick this person, I don't necessarily understand, but I've got to take this person with me. And when Jesus is there, I've got to give them to Jesus so that Jesus can speak and breathe into their life so that the, the, the Jews can become everything that God has purposed them to be in relationship with him. Are you there? Are you with me? So there, there's that part of it. But also in terms of the miraculous and what took place there, you know, God is saying, are you ready? Are you ready? 
Because if these are unprecedented days, the way in which God wants to move is going to be shocking. Some of what God's going to do is going to shock us in terms of what he does. Shocking in a good way. Um, And then we hear that second part when she went for a walk and the trumpet sound. And that's God. What is God saying? He's saying, guys, you've got to be ready. Be ready. I'm beginning to move. I'm going to reveal myself and I am coming and you need to be ready. Just doing what you have been doing is, 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 you're going to get left behind. So let's just have a look at a couple of things, okay? Just to tie this in. The clock is ticking. And we're going to play a song in a bit um, and we're going to use it as a response. It's powerful. Yesterday morning when I got up, I went downstairs, put the kettle on, got my breakfast together just Saturday morning. And, um, and while I was in the kitchen, I, I just put a, a track on called Fullness. It's an elevation track. And, um, and when I went downstairs, I was thinking of this song and I'm thinking there's a song, I think it's by Elevation, Spirit Come, Spirit Come. And I thought, I want to put that on because the song really says what, um, was what's going on in me at the moment, what's going on in us. So I, I, I put, put it on the speaker in, in the kitchen. I thought, well, kind of a bit too loud because everybody else was asleep in, in the house. And um, so I put it on and I was just putting my, my fruit and fibre in the bowl and uh, as this was playing, and as, as it got into a certain part of the song, I just cracked. It was like, and I started crying and I couldn't hold it back. And I was, it was just this, it wasn't just crying. It was like this, something on the inside of me was being shaken. And the more the song went on, the more I just blubbered. I was b- crying. It was like, and, and I just joined in with the song and, and, and then I started turning it up. And I'm like, it's got to be louder. It's got to be louder. Got to the end of the song, went back to the beginning and I was bawling my eyes out and put it back on and turned it up even more. I thought, I don't care if anybody wakes up in the house. <laughs> and and I, th- so I played the song five or six times. And so, and the song is about six and a half minutes. So that's good 35 minutes. Just walking up and down my kitchen, bawling my eyes out praying worshiping and all of that and I'm like right if that's what happened to me everybody's gonna have this tomorrow morning um, <laughs> okay so just want to go through a few things because in a few minutes literally because I want to have time for us to respond the clock is ticking time is short Mark 13, at that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in clouds of great power and glory, and he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. God's about to do something in our day, in our time, that if he told us, and he is, we wouldn't believe it. Because sometimes God knows he has to, God's timing is always perfect. God wants to do something here, right? And we might be in the now here, but he knows how long it will take us to actually believe him and move towards it. And he knows how much in advance he has to start speaking to get through to us that we actually believe what he's saying to move towards it so that when his timing is right for the moment he wants to do something, we're actually ready for that moment. Are you there? 
And I, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be living here where God has to constantly say to me something he wants to do in two years, three years, four years, five years, because it takes me that long to adjust everything in my thinking and my life to line up with him that he says, right, I have to give Clive a five year warning because he's that thick that he doesn't, he doesn't listen to me and respond in the way that I want him to. So I have to give him five years to prepare for it. And eventually after five years, the penny drops one day and he's like, oh yeah, God wants to do something new. I better line my life up, right? And, and so what is he doing? He, it, one of the things God's been saying is if, if, if we have to get our lives in alignment with him, what does that mean? First of all, set your house in order. Set your house in order. One of the things with that uh, Elijah story, when, the, when the, the servant came back and said, there's a cloud as small as a, hands, a man's hand on the horizon, immediately jumped up. The first thing he did was put, tuck his cloak in his belt because he knew something was going to happen. Something was going to come upon him now and he was going to move in the spirit in a way that he hadn't been moving in the spirit. And therefore there couldn't be anything in his life that was going to distract him, flapping around, taking him to the right or the left or taking him off course. And, and we know that the belt that we wear is the belt of truth in our lives. And so we need to make sure that everything in our lives is tucked in and in order to, in, the, in regards to the truth of God's word and his life on the inside of us. So, and setting a house in order, alignment is two things. One, it's personally, and secondly, it's us as a people, as a church. What does alignment mean? Alignment means to reorganise, to reorder and to restructure for new assignments in relation to the increase of the Holy Spirit's activity in what he's doing. So what does that mean? It means leaving the old behind, allowing room for the new and the new wineskin of what God's doing, that the Holy Spirit then has the space to fill what He is forming and shaping so that He can do what He wants to do. Give you a quick example, practically. Recent, uh, Jane and I, for the last two or three years, there's been a possibility that our house, along with a few others uh, either side of us, were going to be redeveloped. And we heard, I don't know, two or three months ago, that it wasn't going to be happening. They said no. And... Um, it wasn't our idea in the first place, it was the council's, uh, but for whatever reason, it was their idea, and then they said no at the end. So um, anyway, I don't understand that. But anyway, one of the things that God, um, uh, uh, one of the things for us, because during that process, you're not allowed to do anything to your house. You can't decorate it, you can't do anything. If something breaks down, you can fix it, but you're not allowed to do anything that might add value in any way. So for three and a half years, we've been kind of sitting there waiting while the one thing after another. And it's like, we'd like to decorate, like to do this. If it's going to get knocked down. Who cares what it's like? But if we end up staying, we've got to do stuff. Well, when we found out, you know, we couldn't, this wasn't happening. We were like, right, now we've got to do some stuff and um, in the house or we just move or whatever. Um, but then it's like, if you move and you haven't done stuff, people giving you stupid offers because stuff needs doing to the house. So we thought well, we've got to do stuff. And we got to the point a couple of Saturdays ago where we, we were like, we prayed and we said, okay, God, you've got to speak to us and show us what, what are we supposed to be doing? Um, and God gave us this phrase. He said to us, you can either maintain the old or step into the new. What do you want to do? And as God began to speak to us, we knew it wasn't just about our house. We knew it was about us as a house, as a church. It was like you can either maintain the old or you can step into the new. What do you want to do? And it was literally a choice. And it was like, God, we know you want us to step into the new. And that's what we're seeking to do. And one of the things he said to us is, as you've been going after my kingdom and my house, um, then I'll look after yours. So what if, and he said to me, Clive, if you had the money to do everything you wanted to do, what would you do? 
And I told him, I said, I do this, this, this. And he said, so why don't you just get on with it then? <laughs> well, I don't quite have the money. And he said, yeah, but if you had the money, what would you do? How would you act differently if you had the money in your hand? And I said, well, I'd be going to check this out, do this, measure this, sort that, sort the other. And he says, well, you need to act like you have the money. You need to act like you're in the new, in your life. And God was speaking to us just about something personal, but at the same time, we knew it was a parallel to what God is saying to us as a church. So in relation to what God is saying, we can either say, right, well, I'll maintain what, where we're at at the moment until I begin to see what the, the bloke at the front or anybody else is saying about the new. And when I see the new, then I'll move from maintaining the old to the new. Or are we prepared to say, God, I want to let go of everything that has been good, everything that I've known, everything that I might have experienced, everything that's been great, but I'm prepared to let go of all of that because you're saying you're doing something totally new and releasing your spirit in a completely fresh way. Because we only see the release of God when we say yes to what he's saying. Half of people in the room can say yes to God and they'll begin to see things in a totally new way in terms of what they see around their lives. And half the room can say, no, I'll wait and maintain. And while half the room are in something new, seeing it work, the other half are going, well, I can't see it. I don't get it. Because we're looking with, over here, you're looking in the natural. But over here, you're saying yes there and you step over to here and you begin to see a release of God around you because there's a release of God on the inside of you. And so we knew in, there were certain things. So we've started to, we stuck a new boiler, we had a new boiler put in a couple of weeks ago because I was that broke the day before. We've decorated our dining room, which is amazing because we're not exactly decorators, but we've done it. There's a list of things. And over the next few months, we're going to do in our house because it's like we've got, we've got to step into the new. And once it's all new, we'll probably sell it and move to a new house. Uh, but we'll get more money for it. So uh, now what is God talking about? If he's talking about, um, alignment, what he's talking about is he wants us to align for a reason. It's not just so that we're aligned, it's, it's all to do with his purposes. Are we just talking about a bit more growth because of some evangelism or are we actually talking about the church in the nation aligning herself with God because some, God wants to do something unprecedented in our day? Yeah. Well. One of the words that... Uh, what one of the things God's doing then, he's calling us to live a fasted life. He's calling us to live in holiness. He's calling us to live consecrated. He's calling us to live devoted because there's something unprecedented he wants to do in our day. Job 11 verse 13 says, if you devote yourself, your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, there's some things then happen as a result. But the word devote there says, if you devote yourself to him, what does it mean? It means if you stand firm and steadfast and if you ready and prepare yourself, something's going to happen. So it says here, if you, if you are prepared, if you are ready, what does it mean to devote yourself? It means to make, make sure you're ready to bring something new into existence. That's what the word devote means. Oh, shock when I, you know, devote. If I said, what do you think devote means? You'd say, well, to be given to, to really be, you know, 100% for, I'm going to be completely consumed with. It does. But when I looked in, in the Hebrew, the word devote means to be ready and prepared to bring something new into existence. 
So God is calling us to devote ourselves to Him in this new uh, time that He's bringing us into, the beginnings of, so that what that preparation and readiness does is bring something new into existence. And then it says, and to stretch out your hands to Him. The word, what that means when you unpack that, that line, to stretch out your hands to Him. Yes, it means to worship, but it all also means to stretch in, an, in, in, a, in, in, in a posture of prayer. So as well as devoting yourself and saying, right, I'm, I'm going to make sure there's nothing left undone in my life. There's nothing that is flapping about in my life. Everything needs to be tucked into the truth. So because there's something new that is coming into existence. And in that place, God's been speaking to us, hasn't he, about prayer over the last few weeks. Pastor Connie's message a couple of weeks ago was amazing about prayer. If you haven't heard it, you can listen to it on, on the, the website. But to stretch out your hands to him. Now, the kind of prayer that God is speaking about is not, oh, Lord, please, would you move in your mercy? Hear our prayer. That's not the kind of prayer that God's talking about. What we heard was Jesus prayed with loud cries and tears. He prayed with every part of his being because he believed what the Father wanted to do. And it says he was heard because of his reverent submission. What does it mean to tuck everything into the belt of truth in our lives? It means to live in reverent submission. I don't want to have this and that going on in my life. I want to live in reverent submission. I'm not going to get into that conversation. I'm going to live in reverent submission. I'm not going to think even about that because I want to live in reverent submission. Why? Because there's something bigger that God is doing than my life in and of itself lived in a silo. No, God is doing something bigger and I'm part of that bigger thing, but He's called me to live set apart. He's called me to live devoted because something's coming into existence. Something's coming into the reality of earth from heaven and he's called me to be part of being uh, part of that download from heaven to earth. You can get excited if you want or you can just sit there. It's up to you. Verse 14, if you put that, let's read it in context. If you devote, prepare yourself, get yourself ready for something to come into existence that isn't in this moment. If you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands, you have to give yourself in prayer. As you give yourself in prayer, the spirit of prayer will come upon you. I, I know for me personally, I'm praying in a way that is different now than it was before we started to pray and fast. I can't help it. You start to pray and you're just praying in another way. I was in my office in the week and um, I, what I, 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 I thought, I've got a couple of hours, I'll start praying. I'll, I'll pray into Sunday and everything. And five minutes into just beginning to pray, it was like Sunday morning was like out the window, not from my point of view, from God's. It's like, Clive, you thought you were going to pray for Sunday, but you're actually going to pray for some other stuff right now. And I ended up walking up and down my office, which is not very big, so I kept bumping my nose against the wall all the time. And, uh, but, I, but I ended up praying for, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes, just so strong in prayer. And yes, it was to do with kingdom faith, but what, it wasn't just about a Sunday morning. It was to do about the promises, the plans and purposes. It was about what God was doing, then praying for the nation and all of that. And it was just coming out, coming out, coming out. And, and I knew as I was walking up and down, this is not me. This, this is the Holy Spirit. This is a spirit of prayer beginning to take hold of me in a fresh way. And, and everything in me wanted to carry on. I just want to pray, want to pray, want to pray. And some of what came out of my mouth in terms of what I was saying, I knew was coming from God in terms of this is how I want you to pray. It was, it was telling God what He should be doing. 
It was commanding God in in the right way in relation to his word. So God, you've said this in your word. Father, you know, I'm saying, Father, fulfill what you've said in your word. You've said it here. Do it in our day. Do it in our day. Prove who you are in our society. Prove who you are in our town. Prove who you are in our nation. Only you can do what you say in your word. Be the saviour. Be the healer. Be the deliverer. Be the only one who can do what you say in your word. Come on, God. And it's like God saying, come on, that's how I want you to pray. Because that's how Jesus is praying now around the throne to see God's heart and purposes outworked on the earth. So then uh, it says, and and, I keep getting caught in the first verse here. What's the time? Oh, flip. Right. Um, Look at that. Why does, can you just slow it down a bit? Um, We we have to come back next week. Do you want to come back next week? What's happening next week? I'm in Worthing next Sunday, down there. Oh, I have to keep going. Are you all right for a bit? Cool, the kids will come in, Nate and join in. Right, I'll try and be quick. <sighs> That's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> Let, I'll just read this, okay? If you devote, give yourself, stretch your hands out. If you put away sin that is in your hand. Now, what that means is personal. That's the, it's interesting, the sin that is in your hand, the word your hand, or the two words there, mean what is in your power to control personally. Wow. So put away the sin that you have the power to control. You make choices with your life. You have a will and you have choices in your life, okay? That God's going to grace you when you make the right choices. And allow no evil to dwell in your tent. Now, I, I looked at that a bit and unpacked that. And it talks about your home and everything, but it also links with the house of God because of the tabernacle and the tent of meeting. And it's where God's presence is manifested. It says, allow no evil to dwell in the place where God's presence is manifested. And that's in your life personally, in your home, in our home, our house, who we are as a church. Then then, uh, you will lift up your face without shame, without any defect or blemish. You'll stand firm without fear. You'll surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as water's gone by. Life will be brighter than the noonday and darkness will become like morning. You'll be secure because there is hope. You will look about you and take your rest in safety. You will lie down with no one to make you afraid and many will court your favour. When it says court your favour, it's talking about harvest. Let's have a look because it it relates to a verse in Isaiah 45 where it says in verse 14, this is literally verse 19 of Job 11 correlates to Isaiah 45, 14. When it says court your favour, this is what it means. And this is what the Lord says. The products of Egypt and the merchandise of Cush and all those tall Sabaeans. Now the products of Egypt, we know the Bible, Egypt represents the place of sin and captivity. He brought them out through the desert, through the wilderness, into their promised land, into his purposes. So God wants to bring people out of the captivity of sin, death, hell, depravity, all that stuff, and bring them into the the fullness of everything he has for them. It talks about the merchandise of Cush and and those tall Sabaeans. Sabaeans are those of other races and nationalities and various things. God's going to move in every race, in every nationality in every colour because he has he, he doesn't mind what colour skin we are what nationality we are his heart is for every person to know him well what does it say they will come over to you they will be yours God's talking about harvest he's talking about what he's giving us in terms of people anybody believe it here today they will trudge behind you coming over to you in chains they might come in chains but when they, they're with us the chains are going to be broken as we sang this morning 
And it says, they will bow down before you and plead with you saying, surely God is with you and there is no other God. So people of other faith and religions are going to come saying, you have the true and living God. You have the only one. We didn't realise the God that we thought we served is not real, but you're the ones who know the real living God. Come on, get excited this morning. Get an amen or something going. Don't just sit there and look at me this morning. Don't say, that wasn't very politically correct. Stuff political correctness. Sorry, it's got to be done in the right heart. But there's a day, I tell you guys, we're coming into days where we, yes, we've got to put things in the right way. But no matter how we put it, however nice we are, however well we put things, it's, it's light and darkness at the end, clashing, light and darkness. So however nice we are, however polite we are, and however we're going to put it, light is going to hit darkness and the other way around. And there's going to be some explosive stuff that's going to go on. Just to finish with, then we need, if you can cue the song up, that'd be great. Story of Lazarus. Most people thought, it's too late. He's dead. He's been dead for four days. Jesus, you were late. You didn't come when you were asked to come. How many times have you prayed saying, God, you've got to do it now, and he hasn't come when you thought he was? And even now, some of you might be hearing what I'm saying this morning, what we've been hearing the last few weeks, saying, yeah, yeah, we've heard all that before. I'll believe it when I see it. Well, you'll still be trying to believe it in five years' time when everybody else is five years down the road. Jesus is never too late with what he does. He's always on time. But the atmosphere when he walked, when he went there, the atmosphere and the people were filled with unbelief, doubt, lack of faith and everything else. He walked into the midst of that and he said to uh, Lazarus' sisters, he said, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Jesus deeply moved in that moment. He was moved. They were in tears, the people around him. He was deeply moved. That's his heart for the lost, right? And in a loud voice, he cried out, Lazarus, come out. Now that's what God is saying now to our nation. That's what he's saying to the nation at this time. But it's going to take somebody of faith, a people of faith, the people who believe it, even though many are saying, it's too late, you've missed it. Or the church is dying, this, that and the other. No, now is the time. It's not too late. And Lazarus came out and they took off the grave clothes because he came back to life. Why is it harvest time now? Because the harvester is in the harvest field now. It's not just harvest time because prophetically God is saying something. It's harvest time because God is in the harvest. And he's saying, come out and join me in the harvest. There's two key things about the harvest. One is new souls, people that have never known it before. The second is prodigals coming back. 2019 is a year of prodigals returning, people coming back to the Lord who've gone away from Him. I believe we're going to see a lot more prodigals returning before we see a massive increase of new people. Why? Because God's heart is for those who have known Him and gone away from Him, saying, no, come back into the call, come back into your destiny, come back into my purposes for you. And as that's going on, also the harvest is going to begin to come in. Why does God want to bring prodigals back first? Because He he knows we're going to need loads and loads of people in the church to disciple the amount of new people that are going to come to know Him. You walk around, you bump into people in Horsham, let alone anywhere else. And it's like, you used to be part of the church somewhere, but how are you doing now? I'm nowhere. Why is that? It doesn't matter why. There's a, come on, God's got plans for you. He's got purpose for you. Come on. We want to help you get over that and get back into where God wants you to be. Whether you're here or somewhere else, it doesn't matter. Just get back, back plugged into God. 
Isaiah 45, verse 8. You heavens above, rain down righteousness. Let the clouds shower it down. Let the earth open wide. Let salvation spring up. Let righteousness grow up with it. And I, the Lord, have created. It's harvest time. Jump to your feet. Come on. If you can get that song ready. I don't know if we've got the words up there. But this is, I want us to, it's powerful. I don't know what God's going to do in you or what might happen to me. I don't know. But... Um, when it comes to the part where it's talking about spirit come and there's various bits in it that will probably grab you. Um, but we're going to, I don't know, sing it, worship, meet with God, respond to God. And we're going we're gonna to go through this once. And then at the end of that, we haven't had the offering this morning, partly because um, we haven't had the offering yet. And... Um, <laughs> Actually, I said to Jugbeer, she said, oh, did I miss it? I said, no, actually, I think it's right that we do have the offering at the end, actually, as part of our response. So just, you might, don't get your cash ready yet, because what you get ready in a minute will be different than you get ready if you're getting ready now. <laughs> All right. And uh, see, what's one of the keys that God is talking about? Hunger. What's your hunger like for him? What's your hunger like for him? Because your hunger will determine how much your heart burns. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just keep your hands. Raise your hands. Raise your hands. Come on, Holy Spirit. Spirit, come. Fill this house with your glory. Fill this house with who you are. Father, Spirit, come. Not just now, but in these days, in these weeks, in these months, that our lives would be so filled and overflowing with you, consumed with who you are, that we would live for your glory like that song says. We will live with that in our minds and hearts every day, every moment, that we would live for your purposes, live with your heart and your mind, burning in us all the time, Father, that keeps us from sin and keeps us pressing into you, Father, because there's so much more that you have, so much more you want to do, so much of the harvest in these reasons. Father, we praise your name. We thank you, Lord. Let's just cry out together. Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, would you come afresh? Would you move in this town, in this region, in this nation? We praise your name. We thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, if... I know we haven't prayed in one sense. That was a prayer. Over these next few weeks and months, God's just going to set people free from stuff that they might still need setting free from. But as we go after God, stuff will just fall off your life as you go after Him. And as we go after Him together, the culture, the right in, in one, put it this way, the right peer pressure, the culture will just inspire you to press into God, will move forward in God. Oh, if you want to just go on YouTube, Elevation Church, Fullness, I think that's called. If you want to use that at home, just sing worship and use it as part of your prayer, uh, then you know, just connect with God in, in that way. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.